Pastor Katie. We are still very much an Easter people in an Easter season, although we do not call this day Easter, it's still very much Easter. For that reason, we go to John's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 1 through 17 for our text today. This is Jesus appearing to his disciples once again. After these things, Jesus, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? He said to them, they, they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples, they came in the boat dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there and fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, we pray that in this moment, and indeed in every moment, we are able to 
to experience, to practice, to see resurrection. We pray right now that your preacher be nothing more than just a vessel, an instrument of your grace. Amen. So according to the evangelist John, in John chapter 21, this is the third appearance of the risen Jesus, the third appearance of the risen Jesus to his followers, this particular group of disciples. Now, of all the other, of all the appearances, uh, this one uh, seems to be the most baffling. On the surface, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. With the original appearance, we kind of, we, we get the need for that. Uh, Jesus was dead, and now he is risen. In, in real bodily form, he is alive. His disciples need to see that. And so he appears, and they see. The second time... We can kind of understand that as well. Thomas, one of the disciples, was not present for the first appearance. And so it's necessary for Jesus to show up the second time here, real bodily form. See, this is my body. These are my wounds. Real body, real wounds. Here, with this appearance, other than making Peter say, I love you three times to kind of offset the the, the three-time denial, this one seems to be a little more random. It's a little more random. It, it, it almost feels like just normal, everyday, real-life type of randomness. It's random like every day. That's, that's the kind of feeling that it has to it. The mood amongst the disciples seems to have changed. It shifted a little bit. You can sense that the followers of Jesus coming off quite the emotional roller coaster are probably at this point they're unsettled they're confused they're tired and believe it or not i can bet you that they're a bit lost the dominant question amongst them likely is what now what now What happens next? There's been crucifixion. There's been death. There's been resurrection. There have been these appearances, two of them. But now what? What's next? Not only is there uncertainty in their minds, in their spirits as to what happens next, But they also have, you know, real-life problems. And those real-life problems that they have, they they start to creep back in as they get further and further removed from seeing Jesus in the flesh. As days go by and they become further and further removed from actual contact with the risen Jesus, the more those problems creep in in addition to the uncertainties. Sure, they must think, Jesus was dead, but now he is alive. But what does that mean for me? What does that mean for us? What happens next? We must remember that these disciples are are, people like us. 
humans like us. And knowing that, we can easily understand that at this point, although Christ is risen and they have actually laid eyes on him and in some cases they have laid hands on him because they are people, we know that they have concerns. We know that they have problems. We know that they have doubts. After all, these are the same people who fell asleep while he prayed. These are the same people who just days earlier denied knowing him. They are people. People like us, burdened and flawed. Jesus is risen, but there is probably at least one who is worried about their parents' health. Jesus is risen, but there's probably at least one who has concerns as to where is the next place where I will be able to lay my head. Jesus is risen, but there's probably at least one who is worried about a relationship. Jesus is risen, but there's probably at least one who's hurting on the inside because life is not all they expected it to be even at this point. Jesus is risen, but there's probably at least one who has to, to, to deal with aching bones, failing vision, lung trouble. Jesus is risen, but there's probably one who still drinks a tad too much wine. Jesus is risen, but there's probably at least one who is wondering, where does the next meal come from? Jesus is risen, but there's probably at least one who has watched somebody they love die since Easter morning, and they now grieve because unlike Jesus, it appears as if this person has died and stayed dead. With all their humanness, the humanness that they share with us and us with them, with all the uncertainty of what's next, and with all the concerns of real life, we must understand that even though they have laid eyes on the risen Christ, they are still restless. So it is Peter, in all of his wisdom and leadership, with all these burdens and uncertainties, it's Peter who comes up with the solution. I'm going fishing, he says. I'm going fishing. What do you do when all this stuff has happened and all this stuff is going on? You go fishing, of course. And why? Because life goes on. Life goes on. You got to eat. Your heart's still beating. 
air still flows through the body. Birds still sing. They didn't do it this time. Birds still sing. The stars still cast their gentle gleam on the grasses of the field. Life goes on. And we still need reminding that life goes on. In a world where wars happen, in a world where we deal with our own heartache and disappointment, in a world that at times feels as if it has lost all hope, it is important for us to remember, indeed, life goes on. Today, today, you've got to eat. Your heart's still beating. The air, it still flows through you. And even if you can't hear them now, the birds still sing. And tonight, the stars will still cast their gentle gleam on the grasses of the field. Life is going on. So as we deal with our burdens, as we deal with our uncertainties, our fears, maybe we should just all go fishing. Not a bad idea. But Peter and the guys, they were not having much luck in their fishing venture. They fish all night, and they catch zero fish. Then something strange happens. At this point, they should probably expect that something strange is about to happen. From the beach, they get advice from a somewhat familiar-looking fishing guide. This somewhat familiar fishing guide says to them, no fish, huh? No fish. Well, maybe you should try casting your net over this side of the boat. And they do that. And just like that, abundance. Fish abundant. John goes so far to tell us that it is 153 fish to be exact, as if 152 would not have been enough, or a good round 150. 153 large fish. Now all of a sudden after they, they, they catch this abundance of fish, this, this resurrection beach fishing guide starts to look even more familiar. Oh, ah, we see you now. He is the same one that Mary Magdalene mistook for the gardener. It is the Lord, one of them exclaims. And so they get to the shore, and there's Jesus with fish on the fire, bread in the basket. And he says to them, bring some of your fish. Come on, let's have breakfast. 
And so they sit and they eat. Why wouldn't they? After all, life goes on, right? They share this meal with, with the risen Christ because life goes on. One of the hidden gems of this story, one of the hidden gems is that this resurrected Lord is on this resurrection beach. And when his disciples come on shore, Jesus already has fish. In the time that he's been away from the disciples, the time in between the second appearance and the third appearance, Jesus took time to go fishing. Like you are the one through whom all things came into being through. You've been crucified, dead, and buried, and on the third day you rose again. You appeared to your disciples a couple of times. And then, out of all the things imaginable to do, you go fishing. What a rather remarkable God we have. Prioritizes fishing. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he go fishing? Because after all, now life goes on, even after death. Life goes on, even after death. The risen one, the gardener, the one who walked on water, the one who calmed a stormy sea, the one through whom all things came into being through, the one who was there when the fish in the sea first came to be with just the breath of one word, that one has made it possible for life to go on even after death. Praise be to God. Life goes on now and forever. So friends, keep living. Keep living. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks that life is a thing now and forever. We give you thanks for the the gardener, the fishing guide, the risen one, the King of kings and Lord of lords. We give you thanks for Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has made all things possible. 